Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss 20th Anniversary Issue X-Men, number 175, cover date 1983 November, on sale August 9th of November, cover price $1, and this one's titled Phoenix. Un Dolores. What? One dollar he do. It's a smacker. It's a double-sized issue. Yeah. Not cents. Dollar. Double-sized issue. <laughs> Is this the first uh, issue that was a dollar? I mean, uh, God Loves Man Kills doesn't count. I mean, even like annual number six. I don't even think annual number six might have been a dollar. Like the first issue ever? Uh, In the history of comic books? No, just for X-Men, within the series proper. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. What's annual seven? Uh, no, it's an- also a dollar. Annual seven costs a buck. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, they were they were really busy put, putting out uh, big, thick dollar issues because X-Men annual number seven is coming right around the corner. Well, they figured the kids got a little more money. Yeah, paper routes are picking up. Economy's looking good. Trickle Kids down. Kids all have jobs now. Yeah, so on the cover of this is, in fact, Dark Phoenix shooting out a, a bird claw at Colossus. Nightcrawler's teleporting in the background. Rogue is flying towards Dark Phoenix. Lockheed's trying to join in the fun. <laughs> Wolverine, is uh, he's got his claws popped, and he's, I don't know, holding onto a board or something. Storm shooting Phoenix with some lightning, and Kitty has a new outfit, it looks like, and she's phasing through the board that Wolverine is near. Oh, and Cyclops is there, too. He's shooting at uh, Dark Phoenix. It looks like he's hitting her, too, right in the butt. It looks like it's not really doing much, though. Maybe the X-Men logo is getting in the way. (laughs) Yeah, he's hitting the back of the X-Men logo. Darn it, I don't know why this is here. Yeah, so it's a swirling miasma of fire in the background, too. It's like they're fighting in a burning building. That's true. They are fighting in a burning building. It's the X-Mansion. <gasps> yeah. Speaking of which, we start our tale out in Westchester by a mansion. The dialogue box here says, 20 years ago, more or less, Jack or Stanley and Jack Kirby created the Uncanny X-Men. A lot has changed since then. They weren't uncanny. They were just X-Men. Yeah. This is a dirty lie. <laughs> Bastards. Weren't they the strangest teens of all or yeah. something? Yeah. They sure were. Well, anyways, the X-Men are out front. You got Colossus. You got your Kitty Pride. You've got your Nightcrawler. You've got your Wolverine. And they're, they're having a little exercise. Uh Bottom line, they're trying to take down a dead old tree, but they're they're mixing it up in, in kind of like a little combat training. Right. Wolverine's trapping the tree down with his claws. Only one-handed, though. He's got a beer in his other hand. Of course he does. Uh, Colossus is holding it so that when it falls, he can lift it, I guess. I don't know what's going on with this little yellow ribbon that's around Wolverine's neck, but I don't like it. It's a bandana. Yeah, but it looks super effeminate. It's, it's his, I just got dumped bandana. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's tradition in Japan to wear this around your neck when your fiance dumps you. 
Floatzers. <laughs> oh, Wolverine. Uh, Kitty Pride is phasing through the tree, and Wolverine says, You're in the flaming way, kiddo. Either make yourself useful or scoot. Scoot. That's my so, catchphrase. Scoot. He hasn't stopped saying scoot yet. Futzer, scoot. And Rogue is uh, Rogue and Storm are looking on. Rogue asks Storm why is she so upset? The tree was already dead from disease. Once, Rogue, I believed myself the caretaker of all living things. I should have sensed its illness, but I did not. Nope. <laughs> Episode Rogue wants to know why they didn't make it easy on them, you know, and just and just pulverize the tree. Herself and Colossus being strong men, they could have easily have destroyed it. Storm says this is more efficient, or the, this is more fun and less efficient, and we get to use it as a team-building exercise. Sugar, you're starting to sound like Professor X. Hey! A big flash of light appears, and they look up at the sky, and they see a giant phoenix effect blessed goddess and from the sky falls a man and storm sees it and she's like it, well, how do you know it's a man well it's a it's a guy it's a person you don't it could be a woman well <laughs> a two you're right it could be a woman it's a person okay i don't see i don't see breasts how's that I don't see them either, but it's too far away to tell. I don't see long streaming hair. I could be short haired, like Rogue or Storm. <laughs> That's true, but it's a man. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. So they see him and they fly up there and they're like, what's going on? Storm asks. Ro- uh, a rogue ass storm thinks to herself like that i was we weren't hallucinating we all saw the phoenix effect and there it is again just like i saw it a couple of weeks ago in japan remember that i do X-Men 172 so they fly up there and the person adam the person that was falling turns out to be a man it turns out to be cyclops it's a female version of scott summers oh my god what has phoenix done to you he's turned she's turned you into a woman uh, Storm, I know this guy. It's Cyclops, leader of the X-Men. <laughs> no, she doesn't say that last part. <laughs> Storm's like, I know <laughs> Cyclops. Known him longer than you. And they land and they're like, wow, that's crazy. Nightcrawler, since you're the resident doctor, like you said last issue, why don't you take Cyclops to the infirmary? Okay. I just want to point out that Storm, while not wearing full decked leather in this particular uh panel is uh is still dressed in pretty 80s punk she's got pink boots on and she's got a, a high cut shirt exposing her stomach and her, the sleeves are torn her midriff her midriff <laughs> yeah she's, she's gone 80s she's got those jeans that that pull up kind of high i think they call those mom jeans but i'm not sure <laughs> It's not just the leather and the mohawk. She's embraced the 80s. Colossus is also wearing jeans. Yeah, well, um, he always wears jeans. (laughs) And so Cyclops is like, there's no time to take me to the infirmary. Didn't you see what happened? Don't you understand? Dark Phoenix has returned. Well, no, he says... 
Dark Phoenix has returned. And everyone's like, oh my god, Cyclops has turned into Dark Phoenix. <laughs> no. Uh, but then the professor's face appears and says, X-Men Cyclops, report to, me stu- to my study at once. So Okay. Off, <laughs> off they go to the professor's study. And uh, before we go to the study, we better all get dressed. Yep. They all go change yeah. into their uniforms. And their awesome outfits. And it turns out that this uh, leather clad storm, that's her new outfit. That's her costume. Yep. Not really much of a costume, more of a punk getup, but hey, it's iconic. Works for me. Yeah, it's cool. Um, So uh, uh, Cyclops briefs the professor on all that has happened, that he has been worried this whole time that Madeline Pryor might be the reincarnation of Phoenix. Every time he thought he had his thoughts under control, something would happen and it would make his uh, uh, fears come even stronger and then last night in alaska he had asked point blank if madeline was phoenix and uh she he got shot by an energy bolt and the last thing that was the last thing he could remember before rogue caught him outside which i think is an important thing because maybe i missed something but but cyclops here just said last night i asked her and today i showed up and i don't remember anything in between right no, it is an important point, and it will be brought up. Yeah, but I, I like, might have, I might have already come up with an explanation. Anyways. I like how uh, Wolverine is not looking, paying attention. <laughs> he doesn't care. Everybody else is, like, looking at the professor and intently listening, and Wolverine's just like, meh, I've seen, I've heard this story before. Uh, more X-Men stuff. <laughs> I wonder what Mariko's doing. God, I miss her. <laughs> uh, here we get Kitty Pride's new outfit. Yeah, which it's like a it's like a leotard with some blue tights and a pink belt, and then for some reason like some white shoulder shawl thinger and blue gloves. Oh, and a headband. That's also I'm pretty- the part of the '80s that's slightly less cool. <laughs> I'm everything that's wrong with the '80s. <laughs> and Lockheed is around her neck, so apparently Lockheed is a part of her costume. Yes. The professor, blah, blah, blah. Gene Phoenix loved you, Scott. Why would you yeah, this is Yeah, this is a very annoying dialogue. <laughs> Why is... heal your wounds after she attacked you, which the images in your mind tell me were agonizing and fatal? <laughs> <laughs> right. Why am I so descriptive? I mean, I guess... By the end of the issue, we'll understand why he's saying all this. But yeah, it's very, I don't know, it's very unnecessary. We are facing a cosmic entity. Professor Phoenix consumed an entire star system. We should call somebody. So my opinion here is that this is issue 175. Phoenix died in issue, was it 125? I don't remember. I don't remember either. But so it's been a while. I mean, it's, there are, Probably some new readers here who might need some catching up onto who or what a Dark Phoenix is. So we're hey, getting Jeremy. all that dialogue now. What? Hey, Jeremy. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> You're right. Um, I almost say that on purpose now, just waiting for somebody to respond that way. <laughs> um, so the professor needs to use Cerebrus. Because, uh, cerebrus. Cerebro. <laughs> cerebro, yo. Cerebrus uh, is Cerebro's younger brother. We'll meet him later. What was it? Cerbello? Oh, no, it was Cyberno. Cyberno. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go use Cyberno. 
Um, but Adam, Cerebro has uh, an upgrade. Like Cerebro's got a keyboard now, some sliders. I'm not sure what the sliders for. I guess they amplify his uh, oh his side talent. Okay, your side talent going up. That's what it says here. It says I got to put Cerebro on and and figure out what's going on here. So it amplifies my my powers hundredfold. The Phoenix exists. This will enable me to fight her. Now he's he's using these sliders, which one would infer is like him amplifying his uh, telepathic abilities. I have a new theory: is that over the years we've discovered so many new mutants that those old little slider cards he used to have to use, you know, for Blob and Quicksilver and 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 etc. You know, mm-hmm. he ran out of space, so he these sliders. He's just dialing in Phoenix's mind pattern. Oh, yeah, it could be. So now he doesn't have just 10 options. Like this slider can be in like 100 different positions depending on how it's configured. And that's how he's going to – that's my theory, Adam. Okay, I like it. And there's little VU meters on it now. So apparently it has a sweet sound system built in. Have we ever seen – yeah, he's rocking out to some tunes while he's (laughs) cerebroing. Have have we ever seen this helmet before? Is this a slightly new variation on the helmet? So he's always had – a form of a helmet. Uh, but I think this this helmet that's very familiar to those that have seen the movie and, and to modern Cerebro, I feel like it's like the first revision of that helmet that looks like this. So, I so think we're, we're almost there. I think you're right, Adam. Yeah. Um, though in the comic books, is there ever a big sphere that he has to go in? Because I, mean, I feel like that's a creation wholly of the movies. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that ever happens. Okay, unless uh, maybe in the the Grant Morrison reimagining. Oh, that could movies. be. Or was that no? That was post movies. So never mind. Grant Morrison was post. Oh, you're right. Because I think they were like, oh, it's been revitalized. We got to take him out of the costume and we got to make him hip with black leather. Yeah, and now now the movies are going to the costumes. Which thank God. <laughs> I hope that the uh, that the last Wolverine movie that they do, I hope they put him in the Wolverine costume. Yeah, it's weird. Fox is really anti-costume. They are. In fact, I, I mean, I didn't see the latest Fantastic Four movie, but were they really even in costumes there? I mean, I think they had uniforms, but yeah, they were not like the Fantastic Four's costume. Well, actually... The picture of Apocalypse that everybody hates, that does have Psylocke in an obvious yeah, costume. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I think that might be like the first full-on costume. Well, Magneto has had his costume pretty much the whole time. Yeah, that's true. Mystique, sort of. But I guess what I'm talking about is no no more like Hollywood interpretations of these co- costumes. Just like put them in their damn comic book costume. I mean... They did it for the Avengers, and it seems to have worked really well. Yeah. So stop screwing around. Mystique doesn't walk around with a shapeless body. She has clothes on. And they're iconic clothes, so put them on. Little skull belt and everything. Maybe that's what they need to do is for the Apocalypse movie, they put Mystique uh, in that costume. We don't know why she loses it later on, but just to have her there for the fanboys. And then you've got uh, Psylocke and and uh, the rest of the X-Men all in their costumes. And then the Wolverine movie, he puts on the damn cowl, which everybody wants to see. Who's not going to go see that movie if Wolverine puts on the iconic suit? 
Yeah, if if it's going to really be like these two movies are the last two Hugh Jackman films, we need to see Hugh Jackman in the dang costume. Do you hear us, Fox? Yeah, do you hear us? <laughs> well, anyways, back to uh, Cerebro and the dialing up of Phoenix. It something goes wrong and his head is blasted. It's like he's like psychic overload. <laughs> he says in a in a Wilhelm scream. Rogue jumps in. He's being electrocuted. I'll cut the power. And so she does apparently just in time for him not to be dead. But he's out for the count. Overitch, is he alive? Barely, but I have to teleport him to the infirmary because I'm the doctor, you see. Which is is uh, interesting. Because <laughs> not only is he the doctor now, officially, he's also giving him a prognosis on the way. Oh, this will be touch and go. Herr Professor's condition is already critical. I know this just by looking at him. I know this. such a good doctor. It's part of my teleportation ability. As I teleport, I can read people's uh, medical medical status. I only hope the strain of teleporting didn't make things worse. No. No. Wolverine is skeptical. He's like, wait a minute. Cerebro's supposed to have automatic safeguards against this. Kitty, check this out. You're the computer whiz. Hey, do you guys like my new costume? Nobody wants to talk about your new costume now. Look at the damn computer. Oh. <laughs> uh, so he has a nasty, suspicious mind that this might have been sabotage. Storm has a new look. She's got her eyeliner goes up into her head. I don't like it. Well, hang on now. Kitty, before that, Kitty says, oh, the safety interchanges have been disengaged. Everything's reversed. The professor's powers were amplified, but instead of psychic energy going out, Cerebro projected itself into him. So that's wacky. And you're right. This, this picture. I don't care about that. I just care about Storm's eyebrow or eyeliner smearing into her face. They're working on it. I don't like it. As a matter of fact, Adam, um, like, we haven't read credits yet because credits are actually at the end of the issue. But Paul Smith is not long for the uh, X-Men world. So no. I think he's just kind of like, get me out of this thing. I want on to the next job. <laughs> but I like him. Well, yeah. But too bad. Uh, yeah, no, she's got the sunken in cheeks and these giant eyeliner. It, it's not good. It's very Annie Lennox. Yeah, it is. But I think that's because of the whole cheekbone thing that's going on. But anyways, as they're talking about what's going on with Cerebro, uh, Cyclops starts glowing and he develops like an evil grin. And he's like, um, well, he turns into Phoenix and says, Actually, Storm, there's a simple explanation. Would you believe the end of the world? Hi, guys. Miss me? Here's where we finally get our title, and Storm says, Phoenix! Cyclops goes down for the count, and all the X-Men are agasp. Ga- uh, <gasps> Wolverine, he's looking off to the side. Ugh, Mariko. I miss you. This reminds me of that time with Mariko. <laughs> and so everybody lashes out with their powers. And it does very little. Yep. She sends Storm's lightning back at, at her, and... Knocks her out and makes looks like he makes uh, Colossus double over in pain. It kind of looks like he makes he's making him punch himself, which makes it makes me laugh a little. 
It kind of actually makes it look like he's got like a wild case of constipation or gas. I just feel like he's like gut punching himself. Oh, stop it. Oh, does that hurt? Oh, does it hurt? Oh, I shouldn't have eaten that angelata. (laughs) So many spices ripping up my insides right now. (laughs) So Kitty and Lockheed, they fly in and Kitty's like, well... Uh, Dark Phoenix is energy, so maybe if I phase through her, I'll disrupt her. And she just goes flying through. Nothing happens. Well, she gets a jolt of electricity, which knocks her out. Yay! And then uh, she whaps Lockheed aside. Yeah, which isn't very nice. And then Rogue flies in, and she just grabs Rogue, picks her up, and then throws her really, really far. Kaboom! I'm thinking it's like a sonic boom type thing. Yeah, and I also, th- I don't, I, yeah, I was trying to understand this because in one panel it's cut and the other panel it's boom. Yeah. So the boom panel, I guess she leaves the mansion? I don't know. Either that or she's like breaking the sound barrier, but I don't know. Something. And uh, remember, remember this scene because I got a couple questions about it later. Okay. <laughs> Nice, nice moves, Jeannie. You sure ain't lost your touch. I see you've extended your claws. Care to try your luck? Nope. Okay, I gotta go. <laughs> and so she disappears. Uh, and so Storm's like, hey, Logan, why aren't you fighting? Didn't see much sense in it, darling. Ever since I broke up with Mariko, what's the point? <laughs> Life is for chumps. <laughs> I don't really feel like it. Uh, yeah, he's just like, look, did you see what happened? What was I going to do? And Storm's like, yeah, I guess you're right. We should probably call the Star Jammers or somebody else. So Kitty jumps on the computer. She's dialing up the Star Jammers. It's taken a while. Everything's been scrambled, but finally she makes her way through. And we, it should, it should be pointed out that she suggested that they call the Star Jammers earlier, but the professor was like, Nah, I want to do some Cerebro tests first. Yeah, no, look it was... Where, look where that got him. It was like, we should call the Star Jammers the Avengers in Fantastic Four. And the professor's like, nah, I've got this. <laughs> they don't even call the New Mutants, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, where are the New Mutants? Oh, yeah, the New Mutants are off in uh, the Amazon right now. Oh, they're not just upstairs being like, wonder what's going on down there, guys. Sure is noisy. <laughs> professor told us to stay up here, so we better stay up here. Ah, uh, well, anyways... Uh, somebody says, uh, we must warn Scott's father in prison, little Andra. That's Storm who says this. Wolverine, you find Rogue. She is nowhere near as invulnerable as she likes to think. That throw may have hurt her. Hmm. But it didn't because in the next panel, Rogue's standing right next to all the other X-Men. They don't even mention it. What's up, dudes? I'm okay. So they get a hold of the Star Jammer. It's Corsair and he's on the computer screen. He's like, X-Men, this is... Corsair, hope you can hear. Hope you can see me. Phoenix attacked. No warning. Everyone dead. Only me alive. Here she comes. Scott, I love them. And it blows up. <laughs> so, so yeah, the Starjammers and the Landra and now Corsair are all dead. Frickin' dead. So they're like, holy crap, we gotta call the Avengers. So they do. And uh, we, get, we get a great panel of the X-Men all just looking at the screen like, what the... Yep, they are they are shocked. This just got real. <laughs> We've never had a mission like this before. Wolverine's like, oh, I'm glad Mariko wasn't on that ship. 
They call up the Avengers. It's Captain America. And he's like, how can I help you? Storm's like, I'm Storm, leader of the X-Men. Phoenix is back. She's going to destroy creation. We need your help. And he's like, all right, hang on. Let me I'm on it. I'm going to I'm going to call which is which is actually kind of a uh, a uh, weird because normally when anybody calls the Avengers it's like oh they're on a mission and can't help but apparently this is a Sunday and they're all off. <laughs> Just a second, let me go summon them and uh as they're thanking Captain America for his efforts, they all of a sudden feel the ground shaking, they feel an earthquake, they look at the screen and oh my god, Captain America has been disintegrated. Arrgh! In another Wilhelm scream. They look out the window and they see a giant phoenix effect coming from the direction of Manhattan. See for yourself, little brother, she says to Colossus, or Storm says to Colossus. For a creature who once consumed a world five billion innocent souls, destroying a city is, a ch- is child's play. So, here's the score, Adam. Nightcrawler's in the the uh, infirmary with Cyclops. He's running some machines to figure Jeremy. out what. It, he, New York is gone. I, I'm getting there. This is like I, I was building to that. He's looking at Cyclops, and Manhattan is burnt away. The Avengers are gone. The Fantastic Four is gone. Doctor Strange is gone. The Morlocks and their underground caverns. Everybody is gone. Like it's just like them in their mansion. Everybody else is dead. We should call Alpha Flight. <laughs> They're in Canada. Nobody messes with Canada. Yeah, they they don't bring that up for some reason. What about these Defender people I've been hearing about? Well, Doctor Strange is one of them. Oh, well, so Doctor Strange, where's it, where are the Defenders based? Are they all based in New York too? Yeah, they're all in New York. Oh, well, then they're all dead. Dazzler, though, she's probably, is she a Manhattan girl? She probably is. She's dead too. They're all dead. And Who's that's, left? Uh, well, the West Coast Avengers, but I don't think they've been formed yet. No. Maybe they have. I don't know. This is uh, the point where Cyclops has an out-of-body experience. <laughs> Which is really unusual in the middle of this comic book, but I also kind of like it. I don't like it, nor do I dislike it. it. It just is. I get the feeling that Cyclops is like... You know, Wolverine always gets to narrate his issues. I want to narrate a couple pages. <laughs> it's in my union contract. I get one narrated episode. <laughs> Fine. You can have 175, but just that. I don't know about you, but I read this in kind of like a, a childlike sort of voice where he's just like, ah, I'm flying. I can see Kurt and Aurora and hear them too. They're talking about me. Doesn't sound good either. So Is that he, how you read it? Like a creepy little child? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, no, but I get what you're saying. Like kind of kind of whimsy, whimsical, lighthearted. Yeah. Maybe maybe slightly dispassionate because he's kind of separated from his body. Definitely minus the general Cyclops remorse. My eyes open. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> They're not very deadly. Hmm. I don't have deadly eyes. So he's looking around and he's like, uh, he's basically, he can see and hear everything and he can understand kind of what's happening. Aurora looks sad, but she's trying to keep it together. She reminds me a lot of me. I want to tell her it's okay, but I can't. Uh, 
Yeah. So are we supposed to take this as Cyclops is dead? I think so, because this gets a little weird because he's like, uh, I want to tell her that everything's okay, but she doesn't hear me. She can't. She's alive. I'm not. And that's when... this panel, he says, fantastic. Yeah. Um, Storm says, let the autodocs care for Scott and Professor Xavier. Kurt, I need you with the others. So why do we even have Kurt as a doctor if we've got autodocs? Yeah, I'll let the autodocs do their thing. They always do anyway. <laughs> I really just look at them. I have conversations with them because nobody else will talk to me, but uh, they don't talk back either. But at least they don't tell me to shut up. So, you know, I've got that. <laughs> so that I miss my girlfriend. Yeah, I miss Terry. <laughs> <laughs> so Cyclops is kind of in this... Again, whimsical, whimsy world. Everything's kind of faded in light. Um, Truth to tell, I'm excited. I know I'm dying, though a part of me still rages on, stubborn to the end, fighting for extra breath, a heartbeat, a movement. Yeah. So he's heading towards the light, and he sees a figure in the light, and he knows who it is. And I see phantom shapes, people who suppose gone before. I start looking for one in particular. Crazy as it sounds, I know she's here. I can feel her presence through the psychic rapport we shared. And that time on the butt. Remember that? <laughs> I see her. Oh, wait. Nope, it's not her. Uh, it's someone else. Something familiar, achingly familiar. Stop. Come no further. Why not? You're not this, ready. Yeah, get out there. Look within yourself and, uh, yeah, Wait. You'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. Don't send me away. Let Don't let me go. And he's tumbling towards oblivion. He catches a lapse, last glimpse of the woman, her face outlined in a halo of fire. I hear her whisper farewell. Too late. I know her. Mom! I'm awake. I'm the crying. only appearance of Cyclops' mom ever. I don't think that's true. That's probably not. Because <laughs> uh, I think we've had an appearance of her in a flashback, that course. Well, that was a flashback. I oh. mean, a current a current appearance. Gotcha. Well, then, then you might actually be correct. And if you're not, this is certainly the first appearance of her real time. We've definitely had flashbacks of her in the ship with Alex and Scott. And and the mysterious third summer's brother. <laughs> what? Wait, third summer's brother? Um. So he wakes up, and now he's he's like, now he's going to play sleuth. He's going to play a detective. And his first clue that he starts off with is, hmm, Phoenix is all powerful. She's an entity. She can travel from here to there in the blink of an eye. So why was there a twelve-hour delay? between Alaska and here, unless someone had to fly from Anchorage to New York. But who? It's an awful lot of trouble. His knowledge of the X-Men is as deep as his hate. It must be. <laughs> yes. He plays with reality, yet nothing is what it seems, and his plan resolves around Dark Phoenix. There's only one person it can be. So, he solved the mystery. The majority of our enemies. <laughs> He has to warn the X-Men, flush out the the enemy, basically, into the open, uh, but with no idea of how or how, uh, where or how he'll strike next. For the moment, I have the advantage of surprise. He must believe that I'm dying. 
No, I don't get that. Because, like, does he really believe you're dying? I mean, if it's all, if it's all illusions and stuff. <laughs> I don't know, Adam. I mean, or is is does he just believe? Like, does supervillain believe that Cyclops believes he's dying and that will incapacitate him for now? I, this this whole part of the plot doesn't make any sense, and I'll, I'll continue to explain why. Uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing I can offer here is that he was dying, and then he wasn't dying, and maybe this person has shifted his attention elsewhere, allowing Cyclops to get a jump on him. But to make this a little bit more realistic, in order for this person, if they are using tricks and illusions to create this havoc, and it's not havoc, by the way, uh, if they're trying to do that, they would have cameras all over the place. So eventually they would catch up and be like, hmm, Cyclops isn't where he's supposed to be. Well, no, oh, but we I'll, can... I'll, I'll follow that up with two. All right, right, right. So he is going to flush him out and then he will be a dead man. So he's running around. He finds Colossus. I stay by his rules when I catch him. He's a dead man. So Cyclops threatening death. He runs around a corner and he finds, um, let's see, he finds Colossus and Storm. And he's like, hey, guys, it's good to see you. And they. Why does, uh, why does Cyclops have a calculator attached to his butt? That's actually what caused me to pause a moment ago. But we, honestly, for good storytelling, we should already know why he has this on his belt. But we won't find out for a few pages. Oh. And then it's like, oh. That's right. Okay, I remember what it is. <laughs> Late coming plot device. Awesome. Anyways, long story short here, they now think. Oh, it's 10 minutes later. It's been 10 minutes. You should keep track of that. G- you know, I missed that on the first read through. But yes, it's been 10 minutes. So one could assume that he's been running around for 10 minutes, or maybe he's been laying some dastardly plans for the last 10 minutes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Colossus and Storm think that he is Phoenix. And so now they are attacking him with all they've got. So at this point, you have to be kind of aware that whoever the supervillain is knows that Cyclops is running about. Right. Right. So apparently this the 10 minutes that we got, 10 minutes later, was the only drop he was able to get. And now this person knows he has to, right? Because he's yeah. cast this image of Phoenix upon Cyclops. Very confusing. So by now, more X-Men have joined in. They're all attacking. Cyclops is doing his level best to fend them off without permanently hurting them. Strangely enough, uh, if, they're, if, if they were actually listening to her... They would listen to her say, brilliant, brilliant, Scotty, you waltzed right into that one. (laughs) That's true. But, you know, maybe they weren't really listening. Yeah. There's a lot of things that don't, we'll talk about that don't quite add up. But anyways, uh, he, so he, he has practiced with these people. He's fought alongside them. So he kind of knows, you know, when, when uh, Nightcrawler teleports, he generally teleports above the person to confuse them. So he just shoots in a wide arc above him and happens to hit Nightcrawler. But when he gets to Lockheed, he's like, oh, I haven't really fought this dragon yet. So I don't know what to do. So he runs away. I'm not sure if I, if he was going to hurt me and I don't really want to hurt him. So I think my best option is to, uh, 
count my victories and run. But as he's running away, Kitty jumps through a wall, phasing into Cyclops, I guess grabbing him and phasing him as well. Oh, also, Colossus held no punches, and uh, Cyclops has a couple of busted ribs. Yes. Oh, that's right. And uh, Kitty and Cyclops go toppling over the stairwell. Through the railing. Yeah, because she's phasing him. Right. And they're all like, what's that dumb kid doing? Genial roaster alive. Then we must deny her the opportunity. Down the stairs, X-Men! Apparently this is all going to Cyclops' plan because as Kitty reacted precisely as she anticipated, they went phasing into the floor and now they're continuing to go down. So this this is all feeding into a plan of Cyclops's. They will fall straight in a line. The next open space beneath them is the danger room. Kurt, set it up. Set up the danger room to take on Phoenix and... Remember, Kitty's expendable. We all are expendable. <laughs> oh, so now I'm the doctor and the danger room setter-upper, huh? How come you don't want me to fight anybody? You're not very good at that. <laughs> so they do phase into the danger room. Nightcrawler teleports into the danger room, and he starts up the program. Uh, and I guess the first program is an airbag that they comfortably fall on. Like, or Cyclops and Kitty, that is. Well, I, I, I think... Uh... No, I think you're right. This is all part of Cyclops' plan because when Nightcrawler pushes the buttons, he uh, silently apologizes to himself and Nightcrawler is electrocuted. Um, Nightcrawler, when Storm tells uh, him that Kitty is expendable, he, he shoots over some, uh, some, good old, some good old German. He says, Ich verstehen. Verstehen. Which means to understand. So I think he's saying, I understand, Storm. Verstehen. Yes. Ich verstehen means I understand. To understand. So, yeah, I, I guess the ich was important. That's why it's ich dot 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 verstehen. So, yeah, a little bit more German lessons for us. And so after Nightcrawler is electrocuted, the rest of the X-Men pile into the danger center Danger Center. The, the danger, danger Center. The Danger Room. <laughs> danger Center is much cooler than Danger Room. Let's change the name of our podcast. Welcome to the Danger Center, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. We're the center of all the X-Men. So that's when Cyclops whips out his pocket calculator and he says, I spent precious time after I woke up transferring the Danger Room control systems into this portable module. Here's where my gamble pays off. Did we did we note that Cyclops uh, knocked out Kitty with a nerve pinch? Ah, no, we didn't. So that Kitty, happened. Kitty Kitty became uh, stopped phasing out of instinct, mm -hmm. and Cyclops took advantage of that. Which doesn't make any sense. Kitty instinctively solidified when we popped into open air. Like why? That would only make sense if like she fell unconscious or something. Well, because like uh, like when you come out of water, you stop swimming so when she came out of the ground she stopped phasing i don't know that's not really a well-established limitation or pattern. we just learned that she could phase other people one issue ago so <laughs> i know but like with at least with nightcrawler you're like yeah he does always teleport on top of you 
uh, or Knight or Colossus, he does like to punch people, or Storm does like to use her electrical bolts. But this kitty thing, like, oh, I'm going to make up something new to make this plot work. That's kind of what's happening here. Well, at least at least Cyclops didn't predict that. Truth. So he pushes the button, and basically the danger room turns into the Savage Land. And I believe that this is the first sort of holographic projection inside the danger room. In the pages of X-Men. We've seen it before in the pages of New Mutants. Okay. Do they talk about it being... How do they describe it in the New Mutants? Uh, they talk about it as it, it's a holographic uh, experience. Okay. They get attacked by monsters. You read these issues, Jeremy. Did I? <laughs> Maybe you didn't. So they don't say they don't talk about this being Shi'ar technology. No, not. I don't think that comes for a while. You're probably right. Okay, so in the pages of the X Men, this is the first time the Danger Room is not just like a series of like hoops and flames and and other gizmos. It's actually a full on environment. Right. And so it's the Savage Land, as we mentioned, and uh, Cyclops is on a cliff, and everybody else, for everybody else, the ground turned into nothing, so they're kind of like Looney Tunesing it. Cripes, says Wolverine. So they fall, Rogue and Storm uh, are flying, and they run down to, or fly down to catch them. By the White Wolf, says Colossus in a panel for the first time where he doesn't say by the White Wolf. <laughs> he, he doesn't say by the White Wolf. <laughs> But I'm betting that's what he says under his breath. We could have almost said it's the first time Colossus said by the White Wolf in a holographic danger room in the pages of the X-Men, but but that won't happen this issue. So no, we, we can save no. that one. <laughs> so they're flown to the top of a cliff. Uh, since Cyclops knows and has programmed this room, he kind of knows where all the hidey spots are, so he's hiding behind a bush right now. I spent precious time after I woke up transferring the danger room controls into this portable module. So that's the calculator on his belt. Yep. And uh, 10 minutes. Good for you, Cyclops. He's a computer programmer. Getting the technology of something you've never used before and transferring it into a calculator. Yeah. Impressive. It's all those years of advanced training. S meanwhile... <clears throat> uh, we're in an area of flames, and uh, the guy who's running this whole show. Wait, wait, wait. I, I wanted to at least point out that Wolverine says, This ain't Genie's style, Storm. She can create personal private realities with, with her own thoughts. Why does she bother using Xavier gadgets? Xavier's gadgets. So somebody's using his brain. Right. I mean, the X Men by now should really realize this isn't Phoenix. Well, Rogue and Storm are like, nah, she's probably not as strong as y'all make her out to be. And, and Rogue's or, and then and Storm's like, or maybe she's trying to make us, she's trying to trick us into believing she's not really what, and she's just, ah. Yeah. And At that point, your leadership skills are going downhill. And Cyclops is a little disappointed. He's like, Storm's made her decision. I can hear it in her voice. <laughs> but then he goes on to say, same decision I'd have made faced with the identical threat from the woman I loved. So I'm just as dumb as her. <laughs> so yes in a flaming area of somewhere we see we hear a man we well we see madeline's face or dark phoenix face i guess we don't know which brilliant cyclops you never cease to amaze me what better ploy to use against a master illusionist than your own illusion so he's he's actually a little delighted that cyclops has created this little uh thing for the x-men he likes it yeah 
So he's kind of like arcade in this fashion at this point. Maybe it is arcade, Adam. It could be. It's I not. mean, he's on this page, so <laughs> I know he isn't. Plus, I've read this. <laughs> he, so he he welcomes Ms. Prior to the show, who is wearing Dark Phoenix's costume. She's wondering what's going on. Am I crazy? What's going on? What's going on? She's like, my clothes, this place, and my dead is this hell. Because it does actually kind of look like hell. Jean's boots really make you look tall, Madeline Pryor. Those are some big boots. <laughs> you got to have the right kind of legs to wear these boots. That's true. There's only two people in the Marvel Universe that have those legs. Jean and <laughs> Madeline Pryor. Weird. No and yes. Who are you? Jace. Who are you? Jace, Jason, Jason Wingard, ma'am, at your service. Or as the X-Men know me, Mastermind. I, I get am, my own logo and everything. I am a villain, and very soon, with your assistance, I shall destroy my oldest hated foes, the X-Men. And she notices that the throne and the fire, everything's gone, and he goes on. Basically, this is our introduction, or reintroduction to Mastermind. He's all like, illusions! Yes, wonderful Deal. illusions. When I used to work with Master Magneto, all I could do is conjure up like demons and stuff to scare people. Now I can create full-on realities. I've done it twice before. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, like a, one, I'm a one-trick pony, so I'm going to do it a third time. Yeah, so he's like, illusions... I'm really mad. I did go crazy uh, when Dark Phoenix uh, was getting her revenge on me. She showed me in the whole of the universe, which drove me mad because I saw how insignificant I was compared to it all. But I got better. Eventually, I recovered, forever cursed with the memory of what I'd been and could never be again. Thanks to Phoenix, my life was an unending torment from which not even death will be a release. I cannot avenge myself on her, but I can make those who loved her, the X-Men, suffer that I will. So, so he's Ringo now? Yes, I've decided he's a beetle. <laughs> <laughs> also in here, which is which is kind of more Madeline backstory, not much, we already kind of know this, but Jason's kind of goading her on, like, hmm, maybe you've gone insane. You certainly have reasoned enough. 378 people, passengers entrusted to your care, dead at your hands. Hmm, did you ever think about that? She gets, yes! She gets really angry. She's like, it was an accident! <laughs> so we get a little um, montage here of... Uh, Who's the dude? The dude is the dude from Japan. The dude is the dude from Japan. Yep. And the, the priest is the priest from but, the, but, the, the plane. But which is, who's the dude from Japan? Oh, remember that uh, Mariko was supposed to meet her brother and Viper and the mysterious guy that ended up being dead. Wolverine and Rogue tracked him down and found out that it, his corpse was there for a couple of weeks. Yes. That guy. Yes. Okay. So we're seeing all the guises. so Muni or Matsushabi or I don't know. Yeah. So we're seeing all the faces of Jason Wingard. The final face is Cyclops himself. 
To which further confuses Madeline. How did you get here? Well, we also don't don't look over the fact that he also mentions that he's also been mastermind has also been taking time to pay back some old scores with former colleagues, which is uh, a reference to that stuff that was happening at the Hellfire Club when the White Queen showed up and she was all unconscious and uh, Sebastian Shaw heard laughter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of came and went. Yeah, so that this is the explanation for that. So if you were looking for something more detailed, this is it. <laughs> this, this is all that you get. Uh, it could have started out a pretty cool plot line, but I, I think that they're like, meh, let's just wrap this one up. <laughs> uh, this confuses Madeline, who's like, oh, Scott, how did you get here? And uh, I just saw Mastermind transform into you. I, Well, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was done in such an elusive way that it wasn't just a transformation. Right. But like Scott just appeared out of the shadows. Well, her mind Hey, uh, what's up? Her mind is being messed with so much that maybe uh who knows? Maybe she just thinks like time has passed and she's now confused like, "Oh, I was just looking at Mastermind, but now I see you. That's weird. I've I'm drugged." And so she they embrace and uh they kiss and that's when Mastermind turns from Cyclops into classic Mastermind. That's what he, he should call himself. <laughs> it is I, classic Mastermind. <laughs> and that's exactly what he looks like he would talk. I used to look like this, but I prefer the Wingard physiology. Had I wished, though, I could have made you love me whatever my appearance. I may yet do so. Won't that be fun? She's got her hands over her mouth like she's vomiting. Well, Mastermind is not a very attractive man. And Ugh, gross, I can't believe I have my tongue in that. And he doesn't, I mean, based, he's got like greasy hair. He doesn't look like he bathes very often. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the danger room, Cyclops is running through the foliage. And oh, yeah. He's doing a lot of talking uh, to himself. He's got to be careful not to trigger traps because he's in just as much danger as the rest of the X-Men, even though he has the advantage. Uh, he shoots Wolverine full on in the face. Back to <laughs> it, in back the of back the of his head. Yeah. And then his head lands in some rocks or something. Adam, here's one thing that bugs me about this whole thing is why isn't Wolverine using his sense? Well, he is. And Colossus says, can you send our quarry, Tovarich? And Wolverine says, Flaming rooms neutralize my sense of smell. But Jeannie exactly bothering to hide her scent. Which I'm not really sure what that means, but... Well, what I mean, I mean, so the danger room is, is nullifying his sense or whatever. But was his sense being nullified outside or in the office or anywhere else in the mansion? Shouldn't, basically what I'm trying to say is, shouldn't he be like, something ain't right? I mean, he has kind of been saying that this whole time. But he should be the one that's like, hold on, everybody. I don't smell Gene. Well, apparently the, his, his ability to uh, block out Mastermind's illusions is not particularly great. That's fine. That doesn't bother me. He can be uh, affected by Mastermind's illusions all day long. But what I'm saying is he should be the one person that's like, something ain't right. Well, he is the one person who says something ain't right. But it should be like, I see Gene. But I don't smell Gene, and I know what Gene smells like. But right here, he says that he does smell Gene. I don't really know what this means, but Jeannie ain't exactly, exactly bothering to hide her scent. 
I don't know what that means. Because Jean is not in the room, so how can he smell her? Um, I think this is just poor dialogue. I think it's part of Mastermind's... Uh... So he's pumping in Jean scent? Yes. <laughs> okay. Part of his part of his illusory ability is to illusionify uh olfactory. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So yeah, it's right. Uh, as you said before, he gets blasted in the back of the head. Serves him right for not sniffing with a sniffer. Scram. <laughs> Cyclops is running on the trees. Colossus is still convinced that this is Phoenix, of course, and why do you run murderous face me? I am not that formidable of a foe. I'm not very good with the crunching. So they run, they chase, and this falls right into Cyclops' other plan, where Colossus falls into quicksand. Yes. What what goes rip? I don't know. The tree branch, maybe? <laughs> I guess. It does look like no, he he is he is uprooting trees as he's running towards cyclops oh okay oh okay gotcha okay that makes sense i thought maybe cyclops farted or something (laughs) (laughs) oh i really shouldn't have eaten that enchilada take that colossus (laughs) (laughs) so cyclops runs off to the mountains Hmm. yeah he says he knows that the mountains are where the exit to the danger room is. So he's got to be sort of careful. He puts a breathing mask uh, on and he runs through a field of flowers, which as he steps in the flowers, they kind of puff up. Poof. So there's, this is, these are things that I wasn't really aware that the danger room could do is create flowers. That well, in, in the 10 minutes that, Cyclops uh, had he went out to the garden and he planted some flowers and he very patiently waited for them to grow and then he collected them and deposited them into the, the, the danger room where he also spread some soil down so that they could continue to grow. Yeah, I mean that's the only logical explanation. Um, so maybe he has time stopping powers <laughs> that we don't know about. So anyways, he's running along the ground. Storm's flying above. She casts out some lightning bolts, but she's thinking to herself, Phoenix can fly. Why does she remain on the ground? Is this some perverse game? Or could there be some other explanation? Perhaps something that she's been saying all along that I haven't (laughs) been listening to. I just can't figure it out. Well, Cyclops shoots her. Although to be fair, Cyclops never once said, Hey guys, it's me, Cyclops. It's not really Phoenix. I mean, he said some things like, hey, hey, it's what are you guys doing? This is crazy. Yeah. Not your enemy. But he never actually said mastermind. uh, Think about it. It's mastermind. Uh, It's really me, Cyclops. Uh, Come on. Get that in your head. You've all read the files. You know that this (laughs) has happened twice before. But I guess part of his plan is that he doesn't want mastermind to know that he's on to him until when he wants him to know that he's on to him. Which doesn't make any sense because... Mastermind knows exactly what's going on, and everybody thinks he looks like Phoenix because Mastermind is illusioning them to think that he's Phoenix. So this whole plan doesn't make any sense. Well, Mastermind's plan is that the X-Men or Cyclops, well, somebody kills somebody. That, that's all he wants to do. He's just having fun. But it's, not, but it's not like everybody thinks everybody else is Phoenix. Everybody thinks that Cyclops is Phoenix. 
Oh, that would have been cool. <laughs> it would have been a much better episode if everybody's just like fighting each other. And so that, that, that's where like this doesn't make any sense because if you're running around, everybody thinks you're the bad guy. That means that the bad guy knows that you're running around and is making you look like the bad guy. Therefore, you need to like start writing things in your illusionary Savage Land Sand saying, mastermind, illusion, think about it, Dark Phoenix, I'm Cyclops, you know, like, I don't know. So if Cyclops didn't realize it was mastermind at this point, but the X-Men thought that Cyclops was Phoenix, I wonder what his thoughts would be. Just like, man, why do they keep attacking me? This sucks. <laughs> I know uh, uh, I've been kind of uh, away for a while, but this is no way to treat me. <laughs> so uh, Storm gets blasted. Rogue flies down and she's like, if I was the evil mutant, you st- you still believe me to be, I'd let you go splat on the floor. So she's still living down her old evil mutant ways. She says to Cyclops as she lands, time for a rematch, sweetheart. Perfect. She's right where I want her, he thinks to himself. And he fires a shot at the ground, causing all of the plants that uh, Rogue is standing directly above to release their... uh, some sort of gas. It's pollen. Given Rogue's nat- Oz Poppy. Well, that's like Wizard of Oz Poppy Poppy Field when they all fall asleep reference. But given Rogue's natural invulnerability, nothing less than full power optic blast would even begin to face her. The solution bypass her powers and strike where she's invulner or where she's vulnerable, with a batch of Wizard of Oz poppies specif- specifically keyed to affect her mutant physiology. So these aren't just poppies adam she has in he has in the files rogues mutant physiology along with carol danvers captain marvel powers from the stars and from there he's able to create a a uh, gas that directly affects only her but for some reason he still needed a breathing mask until he picks her up then he doesn't need the breathing mask anymore (laughs) <laughs> again doesn't this 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 never happens if if rogue's only only vulnerability is this gas then like wouldn't this just be the thing that people use all the time on her i'm invulnerable psh, psh. oh <laughs> <laughs> well after this she builds up an immunity to this gas oh where she destroys it she hurls it all into space she's like i had no idea this <clears throat> poppy sauce could make me so uh, lethargic and, and tired, I'm going to learn to not get tired. <laughs> she just inhales a little bit of it every day until she's vulnerable to it. Yeah. I pulled her medical file when I programmed the danger room. One whiff of dust and she's fast asleep. Bless the professor for redesigning the room. I couldn't have done this in the original. <laughs> so the danger room can manufacture flowers and dust particles i guess specifically keyed to knock out rogue <sighs> so now he's going to shut the uh surveillance system down masterminds no doubt been watching the show and so if i turn it off he won't know where i am anymore so right here he's saying like mastermind knows exactly what's going on well, right. We know that he knows what's going on, but Mastermind doesn't know that he knows what's going on. Hmm. Okay. 
So Cyclops takes Rogue to the infirmary where the professor is still cooped up and uh, basically wakes up Storm with some smelling salts maybe and then has Rogue touch the professor's head, causing her to absorb the professor's powers. No! Of course, she's worried that she's going to absorb his powers permanently, but Cyclops feels pretty confident that he can time this just right. One, two, three, go! And after she comes up, now she's got basically this brand new ability to take in telepathic thoughts, something that she's never had to handle before, so she's going a little nutty. But Cyclops is there. He has had psychic training from the professor and Jean, so he kind of knows how to calm her down, and so she does. And that's when the X-Men come in and... And we get to see what Scott looks like as Jean. Yes, basically just looks like Jean. We finally get to see what the X-Men are seeing. Wolverine, all of you, you must not believe what you see. That's Kitty. Oh. You must not believe what you see. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're back to Cyclops. Your senses, your thoughts are playing tricks. If I'm Phoenix, why am I bother talking to you? Why run from you? I have given rogues Xavier's rogue Xavier's side powers. I'll open my mind to her and you'll see. But never here is he like, I'm Scott. By the way, it's me, Cyclops, in case you hadn't figured it out. Look in all of the beds. Notice who's missing. Me, because I'm standing right here. <laughs> Think about it, mastermind, for God's sakes, you people. Anyways, he does open up her mind, his mind to her, and she feeds his thoughts to the X-Men. And there She you go. finally says, it's Cyclops, can't you see? We've been suckered. Yep. Relax, Rogue. <laughs> so, um, there you go. Everyone's like, oh my god, we've been hornswoggled. We've been suckered. How do we know this ain't a trick? Because, little man, the trickster's right behind you, says Phoenix. Because she's back. Oh my god, and now this time, it's the real Phoenix. No dice, mastermind. Your game's over. Your Phoenix can no more fool us than harm us. Brave yeah. words, my love. And he blasts at her, or she blasts at him, and he says, ah, see, it doesn't even hurt. Yep. See? See? But then they hear uh, a fut noise, which which Wolverine is like, a gunshot. Silencer equipped. So no one would hear it. So he's kind of realizing, just as he has kind of this whole time, um, that... There, they are illusions, but there are. There's a little bit of like, uh, there's, there's something behind the illusions too, right? So that they are, they have some element of danger. I mean, these people, these fools might get shot. It's true. Uh, Wolverine can hear a silencer. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, with his senses and all. Yeah, with his heightened senses. Um, and then Wolverine continues to go on and says, "There's a portion of this room, a kind of dead zone that my senses can't focus on." I felt the same thing when Xavier was zapped, but I never got a chance to figure it out since things happened too fast. So he couldn't do it in the danger room. He couldn't do it in this office, and he couldn't do it outside. A lot of limitations going on in this episode, or this issue. Storm, Sykes on a level, and Mastermind's in here with us. Then, my friend, I must ensure that he remain. And so she whips up a storm of really cold rain. Yep. It's it's even hurting the X-Men. It's so violent. 
I've got Xavier, I'll protect him. Storm, for the love of mercy, no more. You're killing us, even though I'm invulnerable. Kitty uh, phases out the door and says, Oh, no, I'm safe, but what about the others? If Storm destroys the infirmary, even if she defeats Mastermind in the process, how can we help whoever's injured? Or is she under that creep's control? Maybe this is part of his plan. This should be sufficient. Once creating such a tempest would have left me exhaustive, but violent weather comes easily to me now because I wear punk clothes. <laughs> and this panel of her is the only one that I like with the crazy eyeliner. Yeah. Well, that's because most of this crazy eyeliner could be shadows, but it's not. But yes, yeah. it's a good panel. Uh, and that's when uh, the doors fly open, the icy cold water comes flying out, and now we see Mastermind, not as Jason Wingard or any of his other uh, disguises, but as Mastermind, the creepy Classic old, Mastermind. Classic Mastermind. And in fact, he says, hmm, you have fallen, Classic Mastermind. <laughs> I've had enough of this sucker. I hope you enjoy playing with our head, bub. Because you'll never get another chance. And he's going to stab Mastermind in the face. Storm stops him and says, Logan, no! Back off, woman. It's no less than he deserves. We are not executioners! And he says, stop being a hypocrite. You wanted to kill him a minute ago. That was a minute ago! (laughs) Things change! He's unconscious now. You can't do that. It would be murder. So he's... Find some drugs to keep him unconscious until the professor can devise more permanent means of restraint. Find some drugs? They want to keep him sedated. I'll go get some bleach. (laughs) And so the Psy powers leave Rogue and uh, Kitty, she phases back in. She thinks to herself... To stop Mastermind, Aurora was not only uh, was ready not only to kill him, but sacrificed a lot of us as well. Oh yep. my! So things these days are pretty serious with Storm. Yeah, there's there's a dark corner being turned here. It's the serious X Men. Kitty brings in the medical supplies, so that's nice. Hey everybody, I needed. Or, hey everybody, I got us some. Hey, everybody, I got us some medical supplies, which goes with my previous thought balloon. (laughs) Yep. And so Cyclops is getting up, and he's he's like, where's... And he turns around, and he screams, Madeline! And she's face down in the water in the dark phoenix suit. So he rushes to her side, flips her over, it's like, I was there to watch Gene die, and I was helpless. I won't let this happen again. Breathe, damn you, breathe. Not and, another redhead in a phoenix suit. I can't take it. <laughs> my eyes, my deadly eyes. So he gives her mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, and eventually she coughs, and she looks up, and she's like, Wait, wait. Scott! That's my whisper, Gene. That's good. That's good. <laughs> here, darling. Here, I'm darling, here. I'm here. Hi. Hi yourself. Ah, uh, yes, and everything's happy. Yay. Epilogue. 
And I don't know if the art changed earlier, but the art has changed by now. The art changed earlier, but I think okay. four pages earlier. It switched from Paul Smith to John Romito Jr. But I can't tell you exactly what page it changed on. Well, Cyclops is bidding his final farewells to Gene. He's at the cemetery putting some flowers, basically putting putting his demons to rest and moving on with the next phase of his life. I loved you, Gene. I love Madeline. I'm glad she isn't you. <laughs> but looks exactly like you. It's like I haven't lost anything. Works for me. <laughs> Gotta go. See you in 25 issues. <laughs> <laughs> and so they head to a big uh, uh, circus tent, essentially, that's set up out in front of the mansion, which is hosting a huge wedding. And Beast is there, and I'm assuming maybe that's Bobby. In the foreground? I don't know. I don't think so. So I, I want to say it's Beast for sure, obviously. I want to say Angel is to his left because he's got like a big bouffant of blonde hair. But the guy that's in the foreground who's got black hair is too tall to be Bobby because Bobby, I think, is shorter than Angel. Perspective. He's just a lot closer. Ah. Well, maybe it's Bobby. Well, who's the really tall guy next to Wolverine? I'm thinking that's supposed to be Colossus. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so Havoc is there dressed up. Uh, I don't see Lorna Dane, but, uh, Kitty's there. She's the bride of, uh, the maid of honor. Wolverine's there in his, his best, uh, he's got a bolo on, which is kind of cool. Lelandra's there, which is weird. And I'll get to She's that. not dead. Jeremy, she's not dead. Uh, I don't see Corsair, so he might be dead. No, he's, he's there. He's oh, sitting it? behind Scott's parents, or oh. Scott's grandparents. Oh, that's right. There he is. So I don't ever take off my headband. <laughs> exactly. He's got a tuxedo on, but he's still got his red headband. <laughs> yeah. And so they're about to get married. So the weird thing here is that uh, Chode, Raza, and Hepzibah are on the ship with Sikorsky. I guess since they're aliens, they can't be down in the tent. But little Andrew's there. Like, why aren't these people just at the wedding? They would freak every. They, they opted out. <laughs> uh, I don't I, like weddings. <laughs> I think Carol Danvers is sitting next to Wolverine. Yes. And uh, uh, let's see here. Somewhere in here we get confirmation that Corsair is doing Hepzibah. Oh, Hepzibah says, Chris thinking about wife Scott Boy's mother. And Raza says, fond memories doth not mean he loved thee any less. There you go. They are getting she, it on. A little skunk she's like, love. Stop talking like that, Raza. And he's like, you stop talking about it. <laughs> you guys are Chode's like, you guys both talk like dummies. <laughs> Joe says, shut <laughs> up. Uh, and so they walk uh, up. Wolverine's like, made honor, huh, kid? Better luck this time. Oh, Logan, it isn't. Bear, you love Lady Mariko. You know, this is kind of a dick move by Scott. No, it's not. It's kind of a dick move by Wolverine to be like, huh, Mariko, I was going to get married. Yeah, like two issues ago. Give him a break. You think uh, Cyclops should have delayed the wedding just because Wolverine's fell apart? Yeah, he could have just waited like a week. Adam, do you see the size of this tent? I mean, they probably had to put a deposit on this thing. <laughs> they weren't. Well, they weren't going to get their money back. 
all the people had RSVP'd, the the caterer had already done the steak up. I mean, no, Adam, you don't just you don't just t- back this off. You know, I thought the pool to the mansion was closer to the mansion, but if you can fit this giant tent inside, it's pretty far away. <laughs> yeah. So like it, the, the the tent is between the pool and the mansion. Wolverine or so yeah. Who is walking Madeline down the aisle? Um it looks like from the previous panel that it's Scott's grandfather, but it's got to be. Cuz we don't we know that uh Madeline doesn't have any family, right? I don't know that we know. Oh, ooh, it's Mr. Sinister. <gasps> Spoilers. <laughs> it's it's Nathan something or other. Wasn't his name Nathan something or other? I thought, I don't know. <laughs> his name was Nathan something or other. I thought Cable's name was Nathan. Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a big, long, convoluted story that we'll get to in a couple of years. Yay. <laughs> Anyhow, um, Cyclops has got a big goofy grin grin on his face. I'm getting married today. Got the ring, Alex? What's it worth to you? Wanna die, Alex? Well, that's that's not a very nice thing to say to your brother on your wedding day. Jeez. (laughs) That's some weird dialogue Chris Claremont sometimes imbues with these characters. So the priest does the standard words, dearly beloved, holy matrimony, let him speak now forever, hold their peace, blah 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 We see all the couples paired up. We see Amanda with Nightcrawler, Lilandra with the professor, uh, a very furry-looking banshee with uh, Moira McTaggart, Kitty looking over at Colossus, and Wolverine scowling as Carol looks, I don't know what her expression says. Uh, are you okay, buddy? <laughs> you look real grumpy. Remember, I have no emotions for you. So this panel affects me in no way. <laughs> I hereby pronounce you man and wife. They look at each other and we get a big full page splash of them kissing. <laughs> Rose. Chris Claremont was the writer on this tale. Paul Smith did pages 1 through 29. John Romita Jr. did 30 to 38. Bob Wiasek inked the whole darn thing. Tom Orzakowski was lettering. Glynis Ween was the colorist. Luis Jones was the editor. And Heem Schuter, why he was the chief. And that's it, fans. That's the last issue of X-Men. Well, it's the last regular issue of X-Men in this Marvel Masterworks. But oh, man. There's a there's an annual in it, and then... And then this Masterworks is cashed. Hey, X-Men Omnibus number three comes out next year, and this is the last issue in that. Are you going to buy it? I guess I should. <laughs> well, you, you don't have to. No, I don't have to, but I have all the rest of them, so I guess I, I, you, guess I will. But you'll, you will never open it. I'll open it. I'll flip through it. Why would you even do that? I mean, I guess there's probably some extra materials I'll leave it closed. <laughs> <laughs> that you have it. Well, you can do whatever you want to, Adam. I'll leave it in the the, the, the the plastic. Adam, did you know that Neil Adams was originally tapped to be the artist for God Loves Man Kills? Yeah, we discussed that during the God Loves Man Kills episode. Did we? Yep. Because I'm looking at the end of the uh, Marvel Masterworks here, and there's some really good artwork. And the story would have been very different had Neil Adams have done it. There's six pages of artwork that he did. Yeah, we, we, we talked about those. And 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 friggin' friggin' master or not mastermind, Magneto gets like shot a bunch of times 
through his yeah. chest and stomach. We talked about all this. We did. We did. God, that I, was like a three-hour-long episode, so I, I'm not surprised you forgot about it. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I, I, you, I, you you said practically the same stuff when I when I told you about that because you were like, "Wow, this would be a completely different story." I'm really. I've gl- given you the Cyclops voice, Jeremy. I'm glad I'm consistent. <laughs> Did you do you have the um the letters pages? No, I don't. Well, this issue has a letters page that is answered by the letters are answered by the professor, and it's interesting that the professor answers a letter and says uh, talks about Kitty's studying, and he says she's currently working on a computer project with a friend from d- dance class. Douglas Walsh, which I think will have some surprising results, and I believe that Douglas Walsh is a reference to a character that may or may not be the same character and get renamed. <laughs> okay, Doug, Doug Ramsey. Yeah, he gets married, and so his maiden name changes. Okay, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I know you're kidding because, oh. he, but he does appear in like the next uh, in a little bit. Yeah, nice. Uh, all things considered, Adam, issue number one seventy five, kind of meh for me. Felt kind of forced. Uh, it was. It had its ups and downs. I feel like you know they're like it's one seventy five. We should do something special. How about like an homage to Dark Phoenix? Uh, but a lot of Mastermind's powers. Like I get that he could make Storm think that she's shooting him herself with her bolts. I'm less convinced that. He could make um, Colossus double over in pain like he did. Well, that's that's the problem I had with the first half is like when they're fighting Cyclops. Okay, they're fighting Cyclops. But when they're fighting Phoenix, who are they fighting? I think they're just fighting an illusion. Like like she is not there at all. There's no representation. It's just a a pure illusion. But if, I'm with you. That doesn't work for me. And and well, fighting the illusion is fine. But some of the things like uh, Rogue getting like kapowed doesn't work. Like I could understand her like thinking she got hit really hard, but how does that explain like the the physical movement of her body elsewhere? Like to me, like she should have just fallen down. Like oh, I just got punched. But she would have had to propel her own self to make herself go flying. Well, maybe she only thought she flew away, and that's why in the next panel she was able to come back hmm. so quickly. Could be. I don't know. It just seemed to me that uh, Mastermind's powers were uh, overly charged and uh, inconsistent. Yeah, So I agree. And honestly, I just feel like there'd be more emotional baggage coming out of Madeline for going through this whole ordeal. And basically, you know, she was used as a pawn as her fiance's dead ex-girlfriend's villainous incarnation. Like, don't you think therapy? <laughs> it's a little weird. It's like, <laughs> nah, let's just get married. I feel like this was a plot that Chris Claremont was like building up to and then just it kind of fizzled out. I would like, agree. I with... feel like he had great machinations and they just never came to be. And for some reason, and I guess we may never know, he just kind of abandoned it. He yeah. was like, I'm just going to wrap this story up. I got other plans. Do you think he was maybe originally attending on like kind of just feeding out a little bit more hellfire, 
shenanigans, a little bit more X-Men shenanigans, and then eventually like culminating the whole thing into something. I think so. I mean, that's what it felt like to me at least. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. So yeah, there you go. Um, I don't think we got any letters this week. So yeah, if you would like to continue the contribution to our letters and notes and other communications, visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com or facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. Or tweet us at Danger Room Go. Um, you can find us on iTunes. Just go in there, type Danger Room under the podcast section. We're the first thing that's going to show up. From there, you could uh, leave us a review. You could leave us some stars. Subscribe to our podcast. You can also email us at DangerRoom at RedCatProductions.com. Share your thoughts, your ideas. Uh, pitch us a drink, whatever you want. Or you can leave us a voice message at 501 Get X-Men. 501. Get X-Men. I read some Dazzler, Adam. What? What? It's been forever. She's back. She's back. And better than ever? Yeah. Adam, I am guessing that this is the first issue, maybe, that's gone bi-weekly, or bi-monthly, rather. Um, No, I think we... It went by a monthly a while ago, and we we but we wanted to do the Rogue issues before Rogue joined the X Men. So got it. Well, the only reason I say that is because like things are changing in Dazzler's universe. The last story concluded. This story's picking up a, a new angle, but like the first four or five pages are basically like uh, flashbacks of things that have happened over the past six issues. So as oh. I was reading it, it was like, oh, it's like a reintroduction to this character. How weird. They talk about her sister who's got these powers to kill people and how her dad and splitting up and blah, blah, blah. But really nothing in this issue has any impact past, present, or future on the X-Men. But for those of you who are really, really chomping at the bit to get your dose of Dazzler, here you go. She's going to meet this dude who's... Mr. Nekaba, I can't remember his first name. It doesn't matter. But he's like a big-time Hollywood uh, star. And apparently he's got connections with uh, Dazzler's uh, long-lost father. So that's how she's getting the hookup. So we're led to believe that Nekaba is like, you know, your Robert Redford, like a put-together, like, handsome, articulate romantic man but what we find out as we first meet him is that he's like this old washed up decrepit man who basically he's got false teeth he wears like a girdle he does contact lenses he's got a toupee uh, and then once he puts like all of this stuff on his costume if you will then he turns into his kind of dashing self and uh and he says all right he does say, all right. So he goes down and, and basically his his uh, accountant comes in and is like, you're broke. You're spending way too much money. And he's like, I got a plan. I'm going to make a movie. I got to go meet this girl. And so he meets this girl who's a dazzler. He goes out and buys a car. And he's just like, look at me. I just bought a car. Isn't it crazy? I'm, I'm handsome and strong. You should do a movie with me. Dazzler's like a little wigged out. She's like, well, this is really weird. You're not really what I expected. He's like, oh, all right, well, let's get on my airplane. And so they go up in the airplane. And at this point, you're kind of like, Dazzler, why? you don't even know this man. Why are you going on an airplane ride with him? But she gets up there, and the pilot's all ready to go. He's like, all right, let's go flying. And he's like, come here, baby. 
why don't you get a little closer? We can make a movie and we can talk about the love scenes. And she's like, Mom, I don't really know how I feel about all this. And that's when, for some reason, an attack airplane comes and starts shooting at the airplane. We don't really get an ever get an explanation as to who's shooting or why. Uh, but Dazzler basically, at the end of the issue, is able to spring into action by turning up the radio, absorbing up all that noise, blasting a hole in her airplane's window, and shooting the attack plane, blowing it up. Uh, and she's really like, oh my God, I hope the pilot's okay. And he's able to, in classic GI Joe form, he's able to eject safely. And she's like, oh, she's safe. But the pilot, the pilot's been shot and she doesn't know how to fly an airplane. And that's where the issue ends. Oh man, cliffhanger supreme. Now the one thing I, I, for those of you with like really good memories, I said, uh, hey, this one was written by Frank Springer. And I said, you watch for that. And you're like, why? And I said, you'll find out. And that was a long time ago. Well, the last couple of issues were written and penciled by Frank Springer. And now all of a sudden, Jim Shooter's kind of horning into the writing reins because this issue was written by Frank Springer and Jim Shooter, yet still penciled by Frank Springer. So just, just keep your ears open for that because there's more changes next issue, too. Hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Perhaps something to do with the bi-monthly schedule. Who knows? I like the cover. The covers are great. These are these are full painted painted uh, covers. It's like an album cover. Yeah, it's basically album cover art of an album cover. Yeah. So, cool. yeah, that's it. That's all I got for Dazzler. Nothing happens. Nothing that we care about. I uh, read a couple things, and I want to first start out with Defender. Now it's the new Defenders. Number 125, which is also a double-sized dollar issue. Ooh. This is an expensive and, uh, month for comic collectors. Oh, man. If you were collecting the Defenders and the X-Men, you were screwed. <laughs> I've only got my normal dollar twenty. How am I going to pay for $2 worth of comic? <laughs> this is two weeks worth of allowance. So, uh... Where we left off was at the old Avengers. We're gonna—I'm just gonna call them the old Defenders, Defenders rather, and the new Defenders. Um, the old Defenders are caused the end of the world, and they're still kind of learning about that. Anyway, we cut to the new Defenders, where Beast and uh, Iceman and Gargoyle just went out drinking, and they get home, and they're all drunk and stuff. They show up, and Moon Dragon's there, and they're like, "Ah, you just tried to kill the Avengers," and she's like, "Yeah, but I'm doing my penance." And so they're like, all right, fine, whatever. Uh, and they're all still quite drunk, and they learn that um, they get Moon Dragon's backstory, which I don't really care about. So they walk up the stairs, and uh, Iceman's in his underwear now because they fought Moon Dragon, of course, and she was able to get into his mind and basically turn it off his powers. So he's just walking around in his underwear. They're walking up the stairs, and at the top of the stairs is a pajama-clad Warren Worthington. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, my God. I guess I guess he got in earlier, and it was spending the night hoping they would get back. And so the three former X-Men, they start dancing around, and it's ridiculous. And I, I, uh, Warren's only wearing his pajama bottoms, and Iceman's wearing underwear and nothing else, and they're like doing the two-step and the Charleston and all sorts of things. They talk about the time that they broke into 
Scott's room in the middle of the night and started doing their rock cats routine. And it's weird. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> I don't know. This is not what grown men do when they see each other. They don't like get hand, arm in arm and start doing like dancing. <laughs> it's just strange. It sounds very strange. Uh, so anyway, we discover that uh, Hellcat is getting married, so they're all going to go over there. And she's also being followed by this character, Mad Dog, who is essentially uh, sort of a Batman character with a with a mustache and a, and a brown brown costume. And he is one of the current agents working for the Secret Empire. Oh yeah. So, uh, number one is communicating with him, which is Cobra Commander, if you'll recall. <laughs> I I thought number one was Richard Nixon. There's a new number one. Well, uh, maybe. I mean, maybe it's Richard Nixon again. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we cut back to the old Avengers where we learn that they, in fact, did, uh, in the future, are going to destroy the planet. And the tribunal says, all right, this is the deal. Uh, we're not going to do anything about it. We just wanted to tell you that if you guys stick together, whatever you do, you're going to end up destroying the world. So so don't do that. But, you know, it's up to you. So get out of here. Wow. So we cut back to Iceman and Angel and Beast. And they're just running around the city, hanging out, being buddies. And Beast says... So, what's the scoop, Warren? Last I heard, you were in a pretty sad shape after the X-Men had that run-in with Callisto. And uh, I, uh, Angel says, yeah, I guess you could put it that way. Callisto had this idea that I was, well, she called me the most beautiful man in the world. It was all pretty crazy, and it nearly broke me. Storm saved my life. And then he says, I, I was ashamed. I felt as if I'd been violated. More than that, it was if Callisto had pushed a button and brought up all this psychological from my, sludge from my subconscious, as if my every weak link in my mental armor had just snapped. I was forced to look at my life in a way I had never before. There I was, a man who had everything, looks, wealth, power, everything. And what had I accomplished? Zilch. For years, I'd fritted my life away without any focus or direction. I felt worthless. I had to prove myself, not to the world, but to Warren Worthington III. From the look from in your eyes, I get the feeling you did just that, says Beast. And, and, uh, and then Angel says, I sure did, but I'm not really, really ready to talk about it. But suffice to say, I'm more confident than I've ever felt in my life. Hurrah! So he's, then, is he over with his, is he, is he up with his Dazzler infatuation and back with Candy? I guess so. I mean, he was back with Candy when he got kidnapped by Callisto. Oh, that's true. Remember? Yeah. And there's a panel that says, see upcoming issues of Marvel fanfare for the whole story. And I did some research, and I don't think, I haven't found it yet, but I don't think this story ever gets told. <laughs> Funny. Maybe it'll get told later in the in the Defenders, I don't know. Um, so they all they all decide to get off and go to the uh, the wedding. Beast is still trying to tell everybody, hey, hey, you know, we should be a team. Let's stop being this non-team, the Defenders. Let's be a real team. And I want to be the leader. And they're all like, well, I don't know. We'll think about it. And then they go off to the wedding. At the wedding, they get attacked by Mad Dog and the gang of, of Mutant Force, who were all hired hands by the Secret Empire. There are a bunch of mutants who are so lame, I'm not even going to talk about them. The snake guy is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, awesome. 
Um, anyway, it turns out the mad dog turns out to be, uh, what is this guy's name? Um, Buzz Baxter. Remember him? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Well, it was, uh, Hellcat's ex-husband who turned out to be a jerk and he betrayed the Avengers in one of those Avengers side stories we did. Okay. Um, and, uh, the Avengers win. I felt like there was something else that was relevant to this issue. But it doesn't look like it. I'm not seeing anything here. Iceman says, hey, Angel, do you still remember Routine 7? And I guess Routine 7 is he picks somebody up and way up high and drops them. And then he lands in a uh, a bunch of snow. <laughs> so go Team Angel and Iceman. I don't remember Routine 7. <laughs> uh, so they win, of course. And that's when B says, hey, we were a really great team. We should really uh, we should really be a team. And everybody's like, okay, let's do it. Gargoyle's like, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, Valkyrie, Valkyrie is like, yeah, me too. And Moon Dragon says, I'll do it too. And Beast is like, I don't like you. And Moon Dragon's like, well, I go where Val- Valkyrie goes. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and then, of course, we have Angel and Iceman. And then the old defenders show up and say, Hey, what about us? And they're like, oh, you know, I didn't even think about that. And then the old defenders say, well, turns out we can't hang out anymore anyway. So it just works out. And there you have it. All's the well, new defenders. All's well that ends well, I guess. Yep. Huh. Uh, I also read Alpha Flight number four, where we learn about Marina. And uh, I'm not really digging Alpha Flight. <laughs> I don't know who Marina is. I probably don't care either. Yeah, the problem with this comic is that all of these characters are new and we're getting all these like complicated backstories on all of them, but I don't care yet because I don't know anything about the characters. Well, it's too bad. Anyway, uh, Invisible Girl and Namor guest star. Oh, that's fine. Um, is, and is, then I also read, what was that? Is Namor kidnapping Invisible Girl? Is that why she's in the issue? No, they're they're pals. Oh, okay. He needs her help to investigate this mysterious city that is in poisoning the water or something like that. Got it. Um, I also read the new mutants latest issue, which is like eight or nine. I kind of lost track, but uh, we get our first appearance of Celine. Oh, okay. We don't, we, they're, they're all in the Amazon. We don't know anything about Celine yet. So good. Uh, I, I will be interested to to hear more updates about Celine because she's a character that will grace the pages of the X-Men uh, and I know nothing about her other than the few issues I've seen, which are confusing. So right now she is the wife of this Roman guy. The Numians have discovered this weird Roman society in the Amazon. Well, yeah, good, good. And she's got witchy powers. We know that. I look forward to that. Uh, we'll learn more about her next issue, I suppose. Celine and Amara. I believe eventually we Ma- Amara becomes magma. Well, Adam, did you have anything else that you wanted to add to this particular episode? No, I think I've said enough. Well, then, until next week, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. The Danger Room is closed. 